Welcome to the Wild West Podcast, where today I'm very excited to welcome my guest, pro skier Hazel Birnbaum. Hazel is a newly retired pro skier uh, as of this winter, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to her. She lives in South Lake Tahoe, and she did her thing, traveling the international free skiing tour for the better part of a decade through her 20s, and then she just decided to hang it up and move on. That is a big transition to figure out, and that's what Hazel is going through right now. I feel like if you're not 100% on in a sport that you need to be 100% in, then that's probably time to pursue other things. Hazel, as I said, lives in South Lake Tahoe, and I met her at her home recently to record this podcast. She just re-torn her hamstring and was looking at several weeks of recuperation. She also started taking courses to become a nurse. That's her next move. Hazel's got a great sense of humor, and it was really fun to talk to her. So let's get into it. Hazel, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. For sure, thanks for having me. We're uh, at your place in South Lake Tahoe right now. We don't need to say where it is, but it's pretty beautiful. It's got a great view out the back of uh, a little river that runs into the lake. Correct, the lake. And you're just hanging out? Yeah, I'm just, uh, I just tore my hamstring, so I'm literally just sitting around. (laughs) Yeah, and um, it's kind of bad timing. The season is just starting to... Yep. maybe get going the season is just starting and uh i'm looking at a couple mount a couple months on the couch probably <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even tear it skiing so it's a little it's a little depressing but it's all right i was gonna ask how did it happen <laughs> do you want to talk about it it's kind of embarrassing okay but i can tell you is it something it's not like you slipped and fell down the stairs is it well <laughs> the first so i tore it on new year's eve um i did this like social media post about like I put in this video of me tomahawking and I'm like, I hope I don't go into 2020 like this. And then Murphy's law the uh. next day I went dirt biking cause I just, I'm just got a dirt bike in October and I'm totally obsessed. And, uh, I'm like learning how to do these donuts. And I was in the parking lot after the ride and I was going to show my buddy like, check it out. I figured it out. And like just a weird fluke thing. Uh, it was like super gravelly, and so the back tire slid out and just like popped my hamstring oh. randomly. So then, <laughs> the next week, I'm just like hobbling around, and I walking just outside. It snowed like a quarter of an inch, and I slipped and fell like an old woman oh. and tore it again. Oh. So yeah, it's not like anything cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way the life goes sometimes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so what is your, what is your winter outlook for, you know, 2020 right now? Now things have changed a little bit. Um, I think I'm probably laid up for a couple months, but I'm hoping to be back at it like mid-March. Um, I have two weeks off from school, so I was going to go to Sham, uh, and do some skiing with some friends over there. And then, um, come back and then probably I have another little teeny project in may over there and then uh the rest of may i was going to spend on the east side of the sierras ski touring and that's about it that's kind of what we got going on yeah yeah anywhere in particular in the eastern sierra um we're looking at a few different lines but it's kind of depending on conditions mm. you know i don't yeah. like to set too lofty of goals and then just get totally crushed yeah so we'll just see what's in condition in may cool yeah and um you recently made the decision to retire officially yes. i think yes. and i want to ask you about that but um but first 
uh, like for listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with the world of free skiing, I wanted to ask you if you could just describe what it actually means to be a professional free skier as you have been. Like, what does that entail? What does that life look like? <laughs> uh, a lot of top ramen, no. Uh, <laughs> um, I spend as much time as I possibly can skiing outside, doing that every single day. And um, that's what I've done up until, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to do that. I'm just trying to switch things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's the general idea is you, you represent your sponsors and um, which are these wonderful entities that help you financially and get to where you want to go. And like, it's just, a, it's a total blessing. Yeah. But it's a lot of dedication and hard work too. I don't know. That's kind of what I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, uh, like, how did you break into the, uh, let's back it up to the beginning. Like, how did you first get into free skiing before, uh, before you were pro when you were getting into it just for fun or competitively? Yeah. So, it's weird, like, in the U.S., like, we use the term free skiing, uh, and in Europe, it's the same, like, they call you a free rider or a free skier, mm-hmm. but to me, that just means skier, so, like, it's just how you ski in a way that you ski, so I, I moved here when I was 18 um, and started patrolling at Kirkwood, and um, I skied every day, so I free skied every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had this like, um, it used to be like the Subaru Freeride Series or Free Skiing North America Tour. I don't know, there's like a million names that they've put it under, but um, they called it the Extreme Championships. And it was I, basically a ski competition yeah. that would come through town. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. They, they would use uh, this venue at Kirkwood called the Cirque, which is permanently closed. Um, and I was involved in like the rescue rescue aspect of it. Um, in my early 20s and I would see these women just like ripping these super sick lines and I was like I can totally do that I ski the circle all the time Uh (laughs) and so that's kind of how the transition happened was like I was really motivated to try and see where I stacked up in the group and then that just kind of snowballed until that's what I was doing full-time cool yeah and so how does that how do you decide that you want to try do they have tryouts or yeah, so you would, qualifiers um, or something there's qualifiers so yeah. the i competed on the freeride world tour for five years and to get into that you have to qualify either in um there's two regions there's the uh, north american region and then there's the european region and as a woman now you have to be the there's only one spot every year for a new qualifier so you have to be the top female um, in skiing or snowboarding to get a spot on the world tour and then you kind of requalify every year mm. hopefully if you're in the top five or whatever got it so that's how that works and like what are you judged on um so it's kind of like um i always compare it to figure skating which is hilarious but <laughs> it's a judged event right so uh-huh. there's criteria there's five different main criteria um there's an overall impression like line score um, that's just like they look at what you you ski down the mountain and you hit a bunch of features basically that's what freeride skiing is mm-hmm. um, think like Warren Miller or all the like just you're just skiing and you're finding things that look fun and natural and the whole idea is to make something look really good mm-hmm. um, so you're based on your score is based on like line score uh, fluidity aggression tricks that you like put down in the line like um, those basic things like that so Mm -hmm. yeah it's a and or it's like comparable to like the like 
World Surf League totally. situation. You're with this group of people, um, just like how they are, like 60 people, and you travel over the world together, and you compete at these different stages. And at the end of the five events, they're the crown of World Tour League champion or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what, uh, like, what does it take? There are obviously awesome skiers all over Tahoe. So yeah. what does it take to actually like crack into that? You know, how do you set yourself apart from everybody? Um, I mean, how I did it was I, fi- I was like, okay, I'm going to be done with uh, patrolling because I can't compete and patrol at the same time. And there's like five or six events in the U.S. So I would travel around to each event on the qualifying series and try and get the highest score possible, mm-hmm. right? The most podiums. And then it's a point system based on that. Um, whoever has the most points, you get to do the tour the following year. Nice. So it's just, honestly, it takes a lot of money. <laughs> right, you got to travel around. And not everyone has that. So you travel around like a dirt bag, basically, <laughs> living in your car or staying on people's couches. And like the purses aren't very big. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It just takes a lot of motivation. Like people have to really want want it to be there. Yeah. That's how I've, what I've discovered. Interesting. Yeah. And did you have like a, do you have a specific style or, you know, something that you do that... Yeah, I mean, so everyone's a little different, and uh, the world of competitive free skiing is always, is kind of evolving right now. Um, You have, like, your classic chargers, like, big mountain, think, like, Hugo Harrison back in the day, or Seth Morrison, and, um, but now that's, like, you know, you have Raina Barkred, and Jackie Peso, and um, a few other athletes there are just, like, they ski the mountain as hard and as fast and they just hit big airs and stomp them mm-hmm. and it's just like straight charging and then there's the more uh freestyle aspect the kids that have like grown up in the park that are transitioning into big mountain skiing mm-hmm. and so they're more based on like um playful fun hits with like some tricks thrown in and it's more like a it's a playful way of skiing versus like big mountain charging mm-hmm. you know it's like uh, respect to both but i think i definitely fall in the category of like big mountain skiing yeah more just like chargy style versus playful i mean i would love to be the other way but that's just who i am right yeah so yeah um and oh and so kirkwood is that your home mountain yeah kirkwood's my home mountain so what is it about kirkwood i was talking to people i was there yesterday and talking to people in kirkwood and uh it's kind of remote and everybody who i talk to there has this like reverence for the mountain they all it's all it's like everybody's special place yeah it is a weird a weird thing um i think it's because it's a 30 minute drive from south lake at least so everyone commutes there so it's like you have to be dedicated to want to go there um it's not that big of a mountain but there's a lot of really cool nooks and crannies and you can have for being it so for being so small it's more big mountain chargey like style than anything else we have in the area Hmm. except for maybe like you know squall and alpine Mm -hmm. so i think the remoteness requires dedication and um, i think that's maybe part of the reason why people are so like once you're a kirkwoodian you're just you're like (laughs) obsessed you're addicted to it um and we get a lot of snow yeah like if you look at the snow totals around, it's just it's just like a thing that happens there. It snows a lot. I'm gonna be 
uh, doing an in-depth inspection of the snow totals there later this afternoon. Yeah, yeah you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, okay, so back to, you know, your career in free skiing. Um, so what does that look like? You're just traveling all winter yeah. uh, competing at these different events. Yeah, so that's kind of what the last five years, or even seven years, because I was on the qualifying circuit for two years before that. Um, it's That's the hardest part for me is like I'm very much like a really relaxed person and I like to have my space and like time. And when you're traveling with the group, you're constantly on like 24 seven. There's mm -hmm. like dinners and parties and you're with like 60 people all the time. Um, and then so there's that and then you're traveling, which is exhausting. Traveling's exhausting. Yeah. I'm not trying to complain or anything, but it's just tiring. And I'm like, you know, I'm always doing everything on a budget because I only have so much to work with. So uh -huh. I end up like on these crazy flights to like layover for 24 hours in like China or something, which is like, it's character building. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. It's just, um, it's a lot of travel for sure. But at the same time, I've gotten to see a lot of really beautiful places. So yeah, I don't know, as it's ups and downs. Yeah. And then while you're doing this, are you thinking to yourself like, because it obviously takes a toll on your body too, not yeah, just the travel, sure. but the, the sport itself. Yeah. So are you thinking to yourself like, man, I can't do this forever. I got to line something else up or like in the moment, what are you thinking? Are you just focusing on the competitions or? Yeah, I'm definitely focusing on the competition. Yeah. So like my preseason is I start training in the gym in like August or September and I quit mountain biking because I'm afraid of getting hurt. Mm-hmm and dirt biking <laughs> 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 and uh i pretty much focus on like being as strong as i physically can be and like eating well and being healthy knowing that i'm going to go into this season and start traveling and all that is going to be slowly eroded away hmm. right because you can't maintain that high peak level while you're traveling it's virtual it's just impossible yeah and like you you don't have access to like the foods that you want or right. like you just don't have all your things. So yeah. then it's a game when you're on the road to like try and make good decisions the whole time and um, and like stretch and like do all the things that you need to do. So it's like, and then on top of that, focus on the competition. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, I'm constantly impressed by other athletes that can maintain, you know? Yeah. And while you're out there, are you trying to build your rep? Like on social media, are you? I mean, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, people are definitely like, you'd be amazed when I come home. People are like, oh, yeah, that was great. Like people actually care. They like tune in and listen and watch, mm -hmm. watch our uh, events on the live feed. And um, so I definitely am promoting as, as well as I can, mm -hmm. right? I'm not maybe as strong in that department as other athletes, but um, yeah. But that's like a big part of being a pro athlete these days. You it gotta is. have a strong it is Instagram. The biggest, it is the biggest part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny because it doesn't necessarily jive, like it's, it doesn't necessarily jive with everybody's personality. No. You know, if you're sort of an introvert or yeah. you're somebody who isn't into like oversharing, yeah. it can be a real struggle to you know, put posts together every day that are supposed to like psych people up and yeah. you know show people who you really are and all that. Yeah, I think it's I'm really fortunate, and I've been working with the same companies for a really long time, and they know me as a person, 
And so they don't necessarily demand all of that from me. Hmm. There are other companies that they, you know, they have these athletes only specifically based on their Instagram following and social media presence. But I let my theory is that it's not all about that. And I spend a lot of time sitting on the chairlift or in my community. And when I represent these brands, people ask me all the time, do you like that ski? Um, you know, all the time or other things. Oh, how about that? You know, blah, blah, blah. And so I think it's that personal interaction that like, say for instance, between you and me and, um, me talking about the product and, um, like physically showing how much I love it, that actually connects with people and gets people to like buy things, which mm-hmm. is the ultimate goal, right? Right. Um, so to me, I think it's more on a personal level where I think that's overlooked kind of a lot from specific brands, hmm. but some people get it. And I think it's a really like valuable tool for product promotion. Yeah, so. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Definitely overlooked. It's definitely overlooked, but I think it's like, it's there and people are doing it all the time so i mean i get asked every single day when i'm out skiing about my skis or whatnot yeah we'll get back to my conversation with hazel in just a moment but first let's take a quick break i'm just wondering what kind of toll free skiing actually takes on you Uh, mentally or physically? I guess both. I was thinking physically, you but mean, mentally. And do you mean comp- like competition or do you mean just skiing every day? Just skiing every day. And oh. like hucking it off cliffs and stuff. I mean, it's getting harder. <laughs> <laughs> the older you get, the harder you need. The more time you have to actually put into like maintaining your body and mm-hmm. like stretching and eating right and drinking water. But like when you're in your 20s, it's the craziest sport, right? Because... There's a lot of athletes that don't do any training and they just party and they <laughs> crush it and they're yeah. amazing, amazing skiers. But I always think like if, if they had put time and effort into like the other prep work, how, where would they be, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, it definitely takes a toll on your body. My knees hurt all the time in the winter. Oh man. <laughs> but it's, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change a thing. You know, it's like this my passion i wish i always say like i wish i my passion had been being a doctor because then i would have been like financially stable (laughs) and have an amazing career but my passion is skiing so it's just different right you're yeah you're spending as much time outdoors as you possibly can and i think it's i don't think it's an overall toll i think it like longevity wise it like it's going to make me stay younger than say if I was sitting at a desk all day. Yeah. That's a good point. You know? So have you ever had any major injuries or accidents or close calls or anything? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of it. A hundred percent. But like people always say, you know, like competing on the world tour is so dangerous and there are certain aspects that are really dangerous and you are pushing yourself as an athlete, but you're also so mentally and physically present in that moment when you're competing that I think your ability level is like heightened. You're like heightenedly aware. So the the risk is lower mm. of, for what you can control per on a personal level. Like mm-hmm. I can control my body, but I can't control anything around me. Like the slope, 
you know, snow, rocks, all that stuff. So that is like a whole other ball game. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, at that point, in competition, you're relying on your mountain guides and the people running the competition to make sure everything's safe for you. Um, and it's not always the case, for sure. Like, I've been caught in a slide in during competition. Oh, man. It's gnarly. So it's just weighing the risk factors, I guess, at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're officially retired now? Yeah. So I told everyone on the tour last year that that was my last year competing. Oh, okay. And um, I, yeah, I'm done. I'm really, ha I'm like happy with my decision. Yeah, what's what's your favorite part of retirement so far? I'm sorry, and you're 33? I'm 33. 33 and retired, that sounds good. There's a lot of other athletes on the tour that um, are older than that. I mean, we have people in their late 30s for sure still competing and people that have been on the tour for 10 plus years. But I'm just, that's not my personality. I like to try new things and kind of see where life takes me a little bit. I don't want to be just a skier. I want to like have a lot of different things that I do in my life. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I am 33 and officially retired and so far so good. It's been, <laughs> <laughs> except for this little injury, but um, it's cool to, if the snow's not good, I can be like, I'm gonna go ride my mountain bike. Right. Or do something different and, and not be so stressed Yeah. about it. Because you would have to go out. Yeah, because I get crazy in my head. I'm like, oh, I have to train every day. I have to be this strong and ski <laughs> these lines before I leave. And like, it's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And how did you come to that decision? Was there like a moment when your mind clicked over to the decision that this wasn't, this just wasn't going to work yeah. for you anymore? Or? Um, so I look at my mental state when I first started the tour and I was like super gung-ho, really hungry. Cause that had been my goal, right? To qualify for the tour for a certain amount of years. Mm -hmm. and like I finally did it and I was there and I was like so in it. And then, you know, every year, every year with like more injuries and other things happening in my life, I just wasn't as uh, present as I wanted to be on the tour. And uh, last year, it just snowed, it snowed so much here at home. Mm -hmm. And I would leave and have to go to a place where there was no snow. Mm -hmm. And I was just super frustrated. And I, I just was like, well, you know what? I think it's time for the next little like direction change. Doesn't mean I'm I'm not done skiing. There'll, everything in my life I that I do is so that I can ski more. Um, but it just means that I'm not going to be competing on that in that into that level or that entity anymore and maybe i'll yeah. do something different but who knows right now it's more like doing projects that i want to do and skiing where i want to ski when conditions are good that's cool it's very self-fulfilling sounds very narcissistic where i want to be <laughs> well it's that's what you have to do i mean when you're yeah. like self-employed that's yeah, those exactly. are the kinds of decisions you gotta make yeah so so what so does that mean like focus in terms of your skiing mm -hmm. does that mean focusing on filming or like how do you kind of maintain your role as a you know as a, a, a pro yeah. as an elite athlete um the goal is to make myself available or available for uh film and photo as much as possible mm -hmm. um to promote my sponsors um, that's kind of like the big transition um and then on top of that is so the more content i create the better it is for my sponsors. Mm -hmm. um, that's really all they're looking for, to be honest. 
at the end of the day is just content for them to use to promote their products right and that's like how i'm going to continue to to do what i want to do yeah as long as i want to do that right right like i may not always want to represent a specific company and at that point i'm going to have to like financially do this on my own which is totally feasible so it just depends what your motivation is i guess yeah yeah and then for you personally like what is that how's that transition going it's going pretty good yeah <laughs> so i'm uh i decided to go back to school okay and i'm uh, working towards um becoming a nurse which is all about like a flexible schedule so i can ski totally <laughs> and have the financial means so that i can ski um I was saying, I said it earlier, but like if I could, if I could redo, if I could do it all over again, I might have been a nurse. Yeah, that's just seems like such a rad job. Mobility, yeah. money, and like schedule, flexible schedule. Being a professional athlete is so self-focused and self-based. This is like something that I can do to contribute to like the greater good of people, and that's really cool, right? It's fulfilling on a different level, and that's kind of why I decided. I was like, well, that's a good thing to like contribute for the rest of my life versus just the last 10 years have been all about like me, me, what I want to do hmm. and like how I can push myself. This is a little different. So I don't know. It sounds like a win-win to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, are there people around? So, so there's all kinds of athletes, uh, pro athletes, retired athletes, yeah. former pro athletes, um, in the Tahoe area. So is there like a community that you can kind of lean on for help in this you know trying to figure out what's next or just um, people who can help you kind of with this transition yeah there's definitely other people in my community even in Myers like we have a pretty high concentration of professional athletes or athletes that are quote-unquote retiring at 33 uh -huh. <laughs> but it's cool to kind of like look and see what they're doing or like bounce ideas off of them and and kind of see like what their life has been like afterwards and everyone has their own path right and i think it's really important to not just be like i am a skier and that is it yeah like it's really it's great to be multifaceted so you can do lots of different things in this world because there is more to the world than just skiing every day I mean, I have to tell myself that, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure there is. So yeah, um, yeah. There's a great community in Myers, and um, I definitely know a few people that are in the same boat as me. So we kind of bounce ideas off of each other a little bit. Yeah. Is there like a model for what comes next? I mean, I guess it's different depending on what you want to do, uh, how old you are, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, um, but it seems like you know, with something as intense as free skiing, where yeah. you know you can sort of uh, you know, you might have to call it, you might have to tap out earlier than yeah. in other sports. I mean, there there are professional athletes in their late 30s, early 40s in big mountain skiing that are still crushing it. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like, there's as much longevity as you want, um, as your body will allow. And I think it's cool to have other things to be motivated about. And... Um, I, it is a real thing though for athletes when they're done with com competition to like that's all they've done for a specific amount of time right. maybe even that maybe they've never even had a full a real job mm -hmm. so like transitioning to that next step i think is scary for everybody um but it's kind of 
I think that's why like going back to school is important for me. Um, I have a degree already, but this is like more specific mm-hmm. and I has like a future role. Right. Um, I think it's just, I think it's so de- dependent on what people want to do. A lot of people go into like, like marketing for their companies or like being right. sales reps or right. do speaking gigs and speaking events speaking gigs or writing people are yeah. like why don't you do freelance writing it's just not something i'm passionate about right mm-hmm. so that that's a way to kind of keep rolling with it in a more professional capacity yeah so that's definitely an option for so many athletes it yeah. just depends on what you want to do you know you, um i thought of this when you were talking about how you were on the tour and just kind of feeling like burnt out or like you weren't enjoying it as much as you should have been yeah for sure and it, is there like a certain is there any guilt that comes with that you know knowing that yeah. there are probably a ton of people out there that think this is the raddest thing you could be doing this is a great lifestyle and you should be grateful for it yeah there's a ton of guilt hence and that's kind of why i was like you know it's time for me to like pull the plug a little bit and let some of the other like younger athletes that are really fired up to get there have that opportunity and maybe I can like my spot will open up to somebody else which I think it did this year like someone who was previously injured and maybe not wouldn't have been able to get a wild card got a wild card and took my spot so that to me and she was so fired up and grateful to be there so to me that's awesome I just I feel like if you're not 100% on in a sport that you need to be 100% in then that's probably time to pursue other things Mm -hmm. you know totally yeah and i was fortunate like i had a really good season last year and um i didn't fall off the tour i definitely requalified and like had a few podiums and so for me it was like validating to go out at a high level competing still and know that i could keep doing it if i wanted to but i'm just ready for something different yeah sounds totally reasonable yeah it's reasonable right (laughs) (laughs) Um, a couple random questions for you. Yes. The, there's this fun, whenever I come up to Tahoe and I talk to like locals and skiers in Tahoe, Mm -hmm. there's this fun, um, like competition among locals for who's doing the coolest thing and saw the coolest thing and knows the coolest people and whatever. (laughs) And then, but then they, they all manage to turn their like competitive spirit against the, the 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 like people the weekend warrior types who come up and ski at the resorts and do foolish things on the ski runs yeah so are there like what are your pet peeves i get like your biggest pet peeves uh that you see inexperienced skiers doing on the mountain uh well i so i have this like holy patrolly background right <laughs> so <laughs> when people duck ropes i get pretty butthurt mm. because or just like duck ropes in dumb places because it's like they could be shooting still and it ruins it for everyone else and if you duck a rope maybe just do it where nobody can freaking see you like be smart about it um that drives me crazy mm-hmm. um i think traffic drives me crazy like everybody else everybody I mean, people with like chains on or like have never driven in the snow um we get a little aggro as locals <laughs> in town to be honest right yeah. People are like stuck on your back street. You're like, God, Google Maps again, <laughs> right? Uh, but I, I don't really get aggro. I mean, people are just, I, I'm just stoked that people want to ski still in this like global climate change that we have snow. 
for everyone to enjoy, right? So yeah. I think it's, I don't really have any. If you want to come up and ski, that's great. Have fun. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another question I wanted to ask you. It seems like more people are getting into backcountry skiing, mm-hmm. which carries all kinds of uh, different risks and dangers yeah. uh, from inbound skiing. Yeah. And I, I guess I just wonder about your thoughts on that. I've, I've teed this up with like search and rescue yeah. uh, with other skiers, with local ski patrollers. And it seems like a thing that everybody is acutely aware of. It's like right. these people are coming up and yeah. uh, they want to get away from the crowds, but they don't have the experience or the know-how yeah. to be able to handle themselves properly in the back country or the side country. Um, and they're getting themselves into trouble. And it just seems like something that is happening more and more. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I'm not going to say like, if you don't have experience, don't go backcountry skiing because I think that the mountains are for everyone and they changed my life. So it, you know, I like to keep saying that with, um, the rest of the world, it's like way better to go skiing in the mountains than it is to sit on your couch and watch TV. So I'm a full promoter of backcountry skiing, Mm -hmm. um, at any skill level. But I think one thing you can like do on an individual basis is get education whether you can afford a, a course or you learn on um, just reading material online or books, like that is super important. And having a good partner um, and knowing when to go out and when is not a good time and when is like, it, it'll be fine. So we have in the area here, um, one resource is online is the Sierra Avalanche Center mm-hmm. and they kind of give a forecast every single day um, there's observations and you kind of can get a, a gist of what's happening and also just being like paying attention to the weather and cognizant of uh, certain risks so I guess it's just education and um, there's so many um, avenues for that up here like Kirkwood has like they host all these different area courses they have them at the college they have give talks all around town any evening just like just even going and like getting some general ideas and like having the correct tools before you go right mm-hmm. so like beacon shovel probe yeah partner <laughs> don't bring your dog backcountry skiing sorry um <laughs> and i think that yeah i think it's definitely a real issue we're fortunate here and where we're at because we have a pretty stable snowpack most of the time not all the time um but in other places it's like constant Colorado and Utah where it's not so stable and you have a big commute like population there's a lot more deaths Mm -hmm. but I think we're super lucky here right but yeah that's I don't know I think people need to get outside as much as possible full stop yeah cool that seems like a great place to end it Um, so thanks very much Hazel thanks for taking the time yeah no worries Thanks very much again to Hazel for having me over and making time to come on the podcast. If you want to follow what she's up to, she's a great Instagram follow. Check her out at Hazel Burnbaum, B-A-U-M. If you want to follow what I'm up to with California Travel, I'm on Twitter at Greg R. Thomas, or you can email me at gthomas at sfchronicle.com. Wild West is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Wild West and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership on sfchronicle.com slash pod. See you next time.